0: We've already answered this question a few times, so help me out here. We've looked at John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Jesus, I say, who is Jesus really? And you say, Jesus is the Word of God. Then uh, we looked at John 1 and verse 3. And I say, who is Jesus really? And you say,
1: Jesus is right, we're
0: next Come on now, it's just a little slow here. Jesus is the creator of all things. Okay. Now, this the most recent one, just last Sunday. John 1 and verse 4. Who is Jesus (laughs)
1: really? I feel like we need to start over. (laughs) Let's
0: try that again. Who is Jesus really? Jesus is the life giver. Jesus is the life giver. So we've already answered this question three times. Those three different ways. So let's do that again. Who is Jesus really? Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is the creator of all things. Jesus is the life giver. Now, Jesus is the life giver. Um, I was wondering if this would do anything. Over the week, it didn't. It's still dead. Hasn't gotten any closer to living than it was before. We talked about this last week. Jesus is the source, the giver of life. We look at things that are alive and things that are dead, and we see that illustration, and John uses that picture to help us understand the nature of who Jesus is. That real life comes through Jesus Christ, that you can be walking around today, breathing, talking, with your heart beating, and be dead. That's what the Bible teaches. That you can be walking around with a pulse and be dead. The Bible also teaches that you can be in the grave and be alive. John 11, we have a verse there is coming in the foyer. Jesus said that. Right? If a man, if anyone believes in him, though he may die, he shall live. See, you can be
1: dead and
0: still be alive. And the reason is that we think of life and death as physical things. We think of life and death in terms of our existence here and now. We began when we were born or when we were conceived. And we end when we die. But the truthful scripture is that we do not end when we die. That there is life. That there is such a thing as spiritual life. Eternal life. Having a spiritual relationship with God the Father. John uses this picture of life. Jesus Christ. In him is life. In him was life, John says in verse four. But I want you to see that John does something very important here in verse four that gives us another answer to the question, uh, "Who is Jesus really?" And part of the reason that you have the little flashlights that you have is to help illustrate this point, and we will get to that in a minute. I don't mind if you play with them; it. it doesn't go to bother me. Okay. Uh, I, I I thought about well, should we not give them to the kids? Oh, Albert, did, do you have any extras, Albert? Nope, no extras. Sorry, you're good. you not get to play with
1: them. okay? I thought about maybe
0: not giving them to the kids right away, because, you know, kids are going to play. But I thought, no, that's okay. Right? Oh,
1: yeah. If you want to play, you play. Just listen
0: while you're playing with the flashlight. It's okay. I mean, everybody likes to play with the flashlight.
1: It's okay.
0: But well, John 1, 4, he goes on, More than just Jesus is the life giver, Look at what he says, and I know that that's not going to be super easy to read, but you know what the word is, you can figure it out. Uh, John 1, 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. John says that the one who was, before there was a beginning, think back to verse 1, we talked about that, the one who was already, before there was a beginning. The one in whom is life. He is also the light of all men. This gives us the fourth answer to the question, who is Jesus really? Jesus is the light of all mankind. Jesus is the light of all mankind. Now... Um, When I read this and I was looking at this verse and I was trying to figure out what what to do with John 1 and verse 4, I began to consider this question. How is it that life and light fit together here in this verse? Because John uses both things to describe Christ. He says, in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. So he equates these two things, life and light. And so we wonder about that. What exactly makes these two things fit together? John says they're both in Jesus. But there's got to be something more than that because these are intended to illustrate truths to us. So if they're going to illustrate truths, they have to have some sort of connection that helps us to see, what is John getting at? Well, I asked that question this week: How is life like light, and how is light like life? Don't say that five times fast. Get your come trying to Well, one way that these two concepts are similar is something that I touched on last week with respect to life. Last week we talked about life, and I and we asked: Can we define what life is? And we realize we have a hard time doing that. We can look at these two different planets. We can see that one is alive and one is dead. We know that that is true, but we can't tell what is the thing that makes this one alive and this one dead. When did that thing go out of it so that it died? And where did it go? I mean, what is life? in its essence. It's very hard for us to define. Well, the truth is, light is also very difficult for us to define. I'm not going to get into a a physics lesson with you this morning. Although I have taught physics in the past, so I probably could do that, but I'm not going to do that. But 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 scientists who study physics are essentially studying light and the problem that they have as they study light is that they cannot define it they can describe it they can tell what it's like and it acts like this and sometimes it acts like that but they can't define it no one knows what light actually is and that's as far as I'm going to go if you want to talk to me more about that talk about it later but I I don't really want to go into that I kind of want to go into that because I like physics but I'm not going to do that. Okay. But if you want to know more about that come and talk to me about it but it's very hard for us to define what light is what makes up light is light you know, is it like air air moves from one place to another air carries energy from one place to another is light like that no not really I mean, kind of, it sometimes acts like that, but not really. Is light like a radio waves? You can't see them, you just travel? Well, kind of, but not really. Sometimes it acts like that, but other times it doesn't. Light is a very mysterious thing. You'd think it wouldn't be. It's real simple, right? It's just light. It's just switch on, comes on. You get up in the morning and it's light. You go to bed, it's The truth is, we don't understand it have a hard time explaining it, have a hard time defining exactly what it is. Well, that, that is a similarity between life and life. They are indefinable to us. We can describe them, we can observe many things about them, but we have a hard time quantifying what they are. Another thing that's true about life and light is that they both require a source. They don't exist independently. Light doesn't just exist. Light always comes from a source. We flip the light switch, and light doesn't just appear in the middle of the room. Light comes from the fixtures. And those are sources intended to
1: produce
0: light. Life also comes from a source. We understand that. Even our life comes from a source, doesn't it? that's what we see to be true about these things. So there is a similarity. I, I would put it this way, that, that they're not the same, but there's enough parallel between them. But that's why John uses life and light here in this verse, and in, and in many ways he equates the two. And I think what John is getting at is this. I think he's trying to get us to see this simple truth, that Christ is life, is equivalent to saying Christ is light. That when we say one, we're essentially saying the other. When we say Christ is life, we're saying Christ is light. I don't think that's a stretch at all. What do we mean by that? Well, what we mean is that when we say Christ is light, He is the one that brings reality into focus. It's His nature to reveal to us who we are and who God is. That's what John is telling us about Jesus in verse 4. He says, In him was life, and the life was the life of men. What does Jesus do? He reveals. That is what he does. It is his nature to reveal. We reveal who we are, and reveal reveals who God is. Well, who are we? What does it reveal about who we are? What does Christ as the light reveal about who we are? Now I'm not taking this directly from this particular passage, although we're going to get to that here in a minute, but we I think if we if we look at Scripture we realize something very important. That the question who we are, when Christ as the light reveals it, we come up with this answer we are fallen sinful creatures. We are fallen sinful creatures. That's what we are. We are created ones, right? A couple weeks ago, we had the made box and the not made box. We're in the made box. We're creatures. And above that, beyond that, we are fallen. We are sinful. We are corrupt. That's what the light reveals when it shines on us. That's truth about who we are. And Christ, as the light, shines on us and exposes that reality. Not fun to admit. Not pleasant to think about. But the truth. Now what does the light reveal about God? What does Christ, as the light, reveal about who God is? Well, in contrast to us, we are just the fallen and sinful creatures. God is revealed as the perfect, a perfectly holy and righteous creator. We're the creature. He's the creator, John 1.3. The light shines, and the light exposes us for who we really are. It shows us where we stand in relationship to God. We stand in fallen, sinful, corrupt, condemned condition, and God stands in perfect holiness and righteousness. You know, it's kind of like the uh, the story of the emperor's new clothes. You know, all familiar with the story, right? Aren't you? The Emperor's New Clothes, where were everyone's afraid to speak the truth about what's really going on. Everyone who sees the Emperor is afraid to, to shine the light, if you will, on what's really taking place until a child, not knowing any better, not knowing enough to be afraid, the child speaks up and exposes the truth that the Emperor's New Clothes aren't clothes at all. That's what John is getting at here. That Jesus Christ is the light of all men. He shines that light on us, and it exposes the reality of who we are and who God is. And like the emperor, we stand there and realize all along we thought we had this new set of clothes on. That's not true. That's what John is telling us here about Jesus. He is the life. And it's interesting because John tells us here in this verse, in him was life and the life was the light of men. He's referring there to the the pre-existence of Christ as the source of life or the source of truth. He's speaking here of the fact that mankind was created with spiritual sight. And I think that's what verse 4 is really getting at. That in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Refers to from the beginning, from the creation, the life was the light of men. We were created with the ability to see and know the truth. With the ability to be in fellowship with God the Father. This was the condition in which Adam and Eve were created. If we had time to go back and look at the Genesis account, we see that. They were created to have fellowship. They were designed in such a way that they could have fellowship with God. That's how we were created. That was God's intention in the beginning. But then we look at the next verse here in John 1. And we see that there's some sort of a transition. But John doesn't really tell us how this takes place. And I want to touch on this here because this is really important for us to understand. Look at what he says here. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. Okay. God created us to have spiritual life, to have light, to have knowledge and understanding of the truth. But then look at the very next thing John says, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Light shines in the darkness. You see, there's a transition here between verse four and verse five. And as I read these verses this week, and I thought a little bit about this, it. The first part of this verse, of verse 5, really seems kind of silly. And I don't mean that to make light of the scriptures. But when I think about what it's saying, it kind of seems like, well, duh. You know? Like he's saying the obvious thing. The light shines in the darkness. Where else would you shine light? You, you have your flashlights, right? Take them out if you would. Take the flashlights on I mean, Just turn them on. There's a little button you push. You've got to hold your finger down on it. These aren't real high-tech. They're real simple. Turn your lights on. Everybody do that all at the same time. Turn your lights off. I want you to see how much of an appreciable difference do those lights make in this room when you all turn them off. I mean, there's 36 of them. That's a decent amount of lighting here. Now, if our old light pictures were still in here, we'd probably be like, whoa, this is great. new one in here is nice and bright, see how much difference does it make. Everybody get their lights on. Anybody not? I mean, come on. Everybody get along here. on. Mike, get your light. This is it your chance to play with it. Lay it all. Do it Okay. <laughs> Anybody? Does any, there any difference in the room when we all turn those lights on? You see, we shine our lights into a brightly lit room. And what difference does it make? What impact does it make? Of course, that's that's silly. Oh, your light's broken. You got the broken one. There's always one.
1: Now, uh,
0: Greg, Sam, Albert, would you guys help me out here? Would you mind shutting things down for us? All right, give these guys a second. We're going to try and change the change the situation just a little bit. I'm going to do this up here. Almost there. Just about there. Now you have your lights. for your lights on? Do they make a difference now? Yeah. Can you see them now? Yeah. You can see them reflected all over the place. Now, the lights make a significant impact. Okay. That's kind of fun. <laughs> Everybody get
1: their lights out. Yeah, Greg is singing
0: up there. Everybody's waving their lights. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You can see it.
0: And you know, Kevin's got another light. He pulled out another flashlight. He's <laughs> even brighter. All right, we can, You guys can can, can uh, pull the shades back up, and I'll turn the lights back on now. I think we see it here, okay? I think you get you get the point here. You can see that, yeah. Whoa! Think about it here. Would you shine your light into a brightly lit room? We're into a dark
1: room. Okay. All right. Are you probably shot. <laughs> Uh-oh. Great, now we got to buy new lines. Ah, don't worry about it. It's okay. <laughs> Joy, jo- Joy and Celia can use their flashlights if they need to see. They're okay. But I mean.
0: so think about the difference that that makes. Doesn't it make a big difference? We don't shine a light into the light. We don't shine a light into a brightly lit room. What's the point of that? That doesn't make any difference. It doesn't have any impact. But we shine a light into a dark room, and we see the light, and it, it, it makes a much more dramatic impact on us. To me, it seems like a strange thing for John to say the light shines in the darkness. Well, it does. Where
1: else would you shine it?
0: But there's something important here that we need to get. See? Look at verse 4 here again. Verse 4 tells us that in the beginning, Christ was the life and the light. And He was the light
1: of men. So that means in the beginning, that men were created to reflect that light. We're created to see the light.
0: We're created with that knowledge of the spiritual truth that Christ
1: represents.
0: And then something happened because all of a sudden there's darkness for the light to shine into. I don't think John's talking here about you know, the first day of creation. We read, you know, God said, Let every light there was light. And then the next verse or I'm sorry, before God said, "Let there be light, verse 2 of Genesis 1, where he says God created the heavens and the earth, and says the earth was without form, it was empty, and darkness was on the face of the people. So, well, that's, see, uh, John's talking about the light of, you know, shining in the darkness. I don't think that's what John's talking about. John is, he's not spending a lot of time on this. His focus is on Christ here. but, But, what John is emphasizing here is that something happened. Something changed. You see, if if Christ was the light of men in verse 4, then where did the darkness come from? How did men come to be in darkness if they were created
1: with the light?
0: See, that's what we need to get. We need to understand what John is talking about here. When he's talking about darkness in this verse, he's not talking about the absence of light. He's talking about the consequence of our sin. See, when Adam and Eve sinned, mankind was plunged into darkness so that we cannot see things the way that they really are. It's ironic, actually, when you think about it. Back in Genesis 3, the serpent told Eve, that if she ate the fruit, she would become just like God, knowing good and evil. In other words, Eve, if you eat this fruit, you will have greater knowledge. Eve, if you really want your eyes opened, eat the fruit. That's what the serpent told her. Moses, when he wrote Genesis one or Genesis three, tells us that Eve saw the fruit that it looked beautiful, that it was appealing to the senses, but he also said that it was desirable to make her wise. see, the serpent's lie to Eve was so powerful. He said to her, if you eat that fruit, you will have greater knowledge. You will really be able to see. But the irony was, That when Eve took that fruit, and when Adam took that fruit, they lost the ability to see. It plunged into darkness. Sin actually made her blind. And all of us who have descended from that first couple have inherited that same spiritual blindness. This, I believe, is what John is getting at here. This is how we can explain... The fact that if men were created in the light of Christ, how come in verse 5 the light is shining in the darkness? Where did that darkness come from? Well, it's sin. It's the result of our sin. You see, if we had always been blind, I mean, I don't mean you and I, but I mean if the human race, if mankind had always been blind, had always been in darkness, then It wouldn't make a lot of sense for God to expect us to be able to see. But if God made us with the ability to see, then something changed. And that's what we get here. Something changed. God made us with the ability to see. So how come, or how do we come to be in the darkness? Well, it's very simple. We're in darkness because of our own sin. We were created to be able to see, but we become blind. The reason that we became blind is we turn away from looking at the light of God's truth. So, there's darkness. But here's where there's good as well, there in that verse 5. John says the light shines in the darkness. This is good news. The light shines in the darkness. Just because we have become blind, just because we have come into darkness because of our own sin, doesn't mean there is no hope. Our hope is in Jesus Christ because He is the light of all mankind. That's why this is important. Who is Jesus really? He is the light of all mankind. We come into the light, we're able to see. Christ is the means by which we are able to see. Even before there were men to see, Christ was the light shining. The very light of God. And the light doesn't shine into light, but it shines into darkness. That is, it goes where it is needed most. It goes where it will make the greatest impact. But I think it's interesting in verse 5, because even as the light shines in the darkness, we see a problem. So let's look at the last part of verse 5. John says this, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Do you ever think about well you probably don't ever think about this so maybe you'll think about it now. Do you ever think about someone being totally blind? What life must be like for someone who's totally blind? What good does light do to a man who is completely blind? Does it make a difference whether the lights are turned on or off in the room? Does it make a difference whether it's sunny day or cloudy day? What difference does the light do for a man who is blind? What good does it do? Nothing. Does no good at all. In fact, if a man is blind, he might conclude that there is no such thing as light.
1: Because he can't see it.
0: He has no way to observe it. He can't feel it. He can't sense it in any way, can he? What about a man who is spiritually blind? Is it possible that a man who is spiritually blind might conclude that there's no such thing as light, Spiritually speaking. No such thing as truth.
1: I'm well, sure.
0: In fact, it really wouldn't be all that much of a stretch for him, would it? Someone who's blind to think there's no such thing as light man who's spiritually blind to think there's no such thing as the light of God, as the truth. He can't see it. He can't sense it. He doesn't have the capacity for it. I was thinking about this this week. Okay, why He can't see. He has no way to know that light even exists. Except one. How is it possible that a man who is blind could be convinced that there is such a thing as light? Anybody have it? But how? How would he believe? He has to take. He has to receive the testimony of someone else, and specifically, the testimony of someone who can see. Somebody who's blind, who's never been able to see, as far as he's concerned, there may as well not be light at all. And maybe there isn't. And he could believe that. And he can be excused for believing that. until someone comes along and says, No, no, but you don't understand. You can't
1: see. Because you're blind. But I can see. And I see the truth. I see the light. I have eyes to see it.
0: The testimony of someone who is able to see. So, how will a spiritually blind man know? How can he come to know that there is such a thing as spiritual light? How can he come to know that there is such a thing as truth? He has to hear the testimony of someone who's able to see. Consider what John says in 1 John. If you want want to turn there, you can. 1 John chapter 5. John offers us a testimony. You see, if it takes the testimony of someone who is able to see, who better than the testimony of God Himself? Right? What is God's testimony when it comes to this issue of light? Look at 1 John chapter 5. In verse 9, John says, if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he testified of his son. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has not has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his son. So wait a second. God has given us eyewitness testimony. The one person who's able to see, the one person who's not affected by the darkness, who sees, has given us testimony. And what is his testimony? Look at verse 11. This is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his
1: Son.
0: He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And then John says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And that you may continue to believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. It's darkness. We can't see. We're blind. We need the testimony of someone who can see. The good news is, we have it. This is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. See, life and light go together. We have the testimony. We have the light shining in the darkness. John tells us back in chapter 1, verse 5, though, light shines in the darkness. It gives us this testimony. But the darkness doesn't comprehend It doesn't understand it. It doesn't grasp the nature of it. See, the truth of God has gone out to men like light shining in a dark room so that all may see it. And we have not understood it. We've not understood its nature. We've not understood its importance. Even as the light shined on us and revealed our sin for the corruption and perversion that it is, We've hated the light. We've hated the light because it exposes who we are. I think part of what John is saying here in John 1 verse 5 is that apart from saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, you and I are left with nothing more than to experience the darkness. The darkness that we brought on ourselves by our own sinful choices. We are unable to understand how wonderful light is. You've probably heard this. Uh, if you ever talked to somebody about becoming a Christian, or ever talked to somebody about Christianity, and they've said something to you like this, I don't want to become a Christian because then I would have to give up. Go away. I don't want to become a Christian because then I couldn't. the Anybody anybody ever ever heard anybody say anything like that?
1: Only two of you. Really?
0: I don't want to become a Christian because if I become a Christian, then I cannot do whatever. I still want to have fun. The person who says that, you know what they're doing? When we talk to people about the gospel, about Christ, I think sometimes we take very personally things that people say. People say stuff like that, and we don't know how to respond, and we just,
1: you know, I feel like we're
0: The truth is, when somebody says that to you, you know what they're doing? They're simply expressing and giving evidence of their own blindness. But they can't see the way things really are. That's what they're doing. They're just showing you that they're still blind. They're showing you that they can't understand it; they don't get it. Instead of fearing them, instead of thinking you fail, you should see it and pity them. You see it as an opportunity to continue to shine a light. Jesus taught this. Okay, he taught about this in Matthew 13. If you want to turn there, you can. And we'll just—I want to just read a couple of verses because Jesus shared a couple of very, very brief parables that I think illustrate this point really well. And I want you to see this. This is so important. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Jesus says this again. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Read the next verse. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Jesus liked to teach in parables because the people who believed understood it. The people who didn't, didn't. Jesus talked this way because those people who were still blind wouldn't be able to understand what he was getting at. But those people who had eyes to see the truth could receive it. What he was saying was this. The light shines in the darkness. It reveals who we really are. It reveals who God is, but it also reveals something else. It also reveals the greatest treasure imaginable. When the light shines, it reveals the greatest treasure imaginable. Jesus said, here, listen, this treasure is so great that when you find it, you'll sell everything you have. You'll give up everything you have to get that treasure. Because when you compare everything you have, it's worthless compared to that treasure. It's like this this pearl that's so wonderful, a great price, that when you find it, you'll sell everything you own just to get it. He's the person that says, oh, I, I, you know, I hear what you're saying about sin heaven and having an Jesus. Yeah, yeah, you know, all that stuff. But if I become a Christian, and I can't still have any fun. I can't still do my thing. But I don't do this for do That person's the oh, yeah. The treasure. The treasure that you're being offered
1: is beyond compare.
0: And those, those trivial trinkets that that person wants to hold on to, that we want to hold on to, are worthless. They're, they're
1: junk. They're
0: garbage. They're filth. And we want to hold on to them. And we say, well, yeah, you know, the treasure's nice and all, but I'm lot to hold on to my junk. I'm going to hold on to my filth. And
1: Jesus is no. Oh, you understand. The treasure is not found. It's priceless. Nothing can be compared to you. When you get that, when you understand that, when your eyes are finally open to
0: see it, then the game changes. There's no reason to hold on to that stuff, Not only do I not want that stuff, I want to make this deal as clean as I can.
1: I want to miss out
0: on the treasure. I mean, that's the picture that Jesus is giving us in Matthew 13. This is the treasure. But here's the beautiful thing about it. What do we have to do to receive the treasure? We don't do anything. Jesus Christ has already done it. He already paid for the treasure. He bought it. He paid for it when He died on the cross. His blood was shed to redeem us from sin. His blood was shed to satisfy God's wrath and to reconcile us with God. He rose from the dead to give us eternal life, a spiritual relationship with God the Father. This is the treasure Jesus was talking about. This is the pearl of great price. This is the exchange that we make Now look at at this. This is so important. What do we give up? Do we give up anything? Yes, we do. But you know what we give up? We give up our sin. We give up our self and our selfish desires. That's what we give up. You know what we get? This exchange, what we're selling off so we can buy this treasure, what we're getting rid of so we can have the one priceless thing. The trade is we give up our sin and our self. And what we get is righteousness and life. That's what the light is about. That's where the light is shining. So that we'll see it. it. These people who are blind, maybe it's you, maybe you're here this morning and you're blind. You still think that this Christianity thing, is it worth it? That it's just too much to ask for. I can't give that up. I'm not ready for that. I'm saying this as lovingly as I can, but you're blind. You don't know what you're talking about. You're like a blind person saying, oh, there's no such thing as light. color red. you kidding me? There's no such thing. We'll give them these pews. That's what I do. That's like a blind person saying, Picasso, who's that? He probably didn't even exist. come on, give me a break. And you and I can say,
1: wait a second. You don't have any idea what you're talking about.
0: Can't see it. Maybe you still think that Christians get the short end of the stick, you know? Because we miss out on all the fun. <laughs> you have no idea. The true light that shines in the darkness shows us the only thing we have to lose when we come to Christ is
1: the guilt of our sin.
0: We have eternity to gain. So I want you to think about this this morning and ask you this question. Will you be angry? Are you angry at the light because when the light comes, it shows that you're sinful? Are you angry because when you see the light shining on you, on your life, on your choices, on your actions, on your attitudes, on your desires, what it shows is that you're a slave? That you are a slave to sin and you can't break free no matter how hard you try? That's what the light of Jesus Christ is doing. Or will you realize that you are in a desperate situation that Jesus Christ is offering you treasure beyond anything you can compare? And cry out to Him to save you from your sinful self. That's the right response to the truth of who is Jesus. Jesus
1: is the light of all mankind. Let's close with prayer.